Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Dean Pepper was recently returned as chairperson for the Coburg Police Services Board. That may not seem like big news, Yet Pepper has served on various boards and committees overseeing policing for more than 30 years. That's a long time. He was on the Protection Services Committee back in the 1980s and 90s when he was a member of Coburg Council. Then he stepped back from politics. Yet when the new Police Services Board was formed in 1992, he was selected by the provincial government to sit on it. Not long after, he took another break until 2017 when he returned as the Coburg Council appointee to the Police Services Board. During most of that time, he was chairperson. In today's interview, Pepper reflects on his long service, the changes in future of policing in Coburg. He will also talk about the board's past year. He will discuss the recent decision to approve body cameras for frontline officers. He will talk about the police budget and its highly profitable background check operation. Pepper will also talk about efforts to deal with the opioid crisis and policing efforts to clean up neighborhoods in the town. I'm so pleased to have on the phone with me now the chair of the Police Services Board, Dean Pepper. Welcome to Consider This. Thank you, Rob. Um, You've been chair a long time and you've been involved with the police board for a long time. I, I think going back when I arrived in 1988... Uh, you were uh, a councillor uh, for the town of Coburg, and I believe you were sitting on the police uh, committee at that time. Uh, how, do you, how do you feel, you know, having been on it for so long? I think you, you, were, you did it until you left politics, and then you came back in 1992 when the, the uh, police boards were being formed. And I think Brian Baxter did it for a while, and then you came back. It, how long have you actually been serving as a member of the police services board? Well, you're, you're correct, Rob. When I um, was on town council, there was um, the police, there was no police service boards. At that time, it was a committee of council. Um, the police act was a little different back then. And then they changed the police act where there was no more committees of council. Every municipality with, a, with its own police service had to have police service board. So I did it for a number of years while I was on council. It was a protection services committee. Uh, so that was, um, that was a while in that position. And then when they decided to change the police act and form the first police service board, I, I left um, council at that time and I applied to set up the first police service board here in Coburg and I got the provincial appointment to do so. That, that took me to probably from, you know, 1990 to 2000, I would say. Um, 
And then uh, I did other things until about four years ago. Uh, Brian Baxter was the chair, and unfortunately, he passed away. Good friend of mine, everybody knows Brian, who was the uh, town of Coburg CEO. Um, the mayor came to me at that point in time to fill a Brian's vacancy, which was a 10-month left to go, and um, I said I would do that, and um, uh, after that was over, um, the town um, pointed me to the board as their community representative for this, uh, this year of council that we're in now. You've done it for so long. Why do you keep doing it? What is it about the job that you like? It's um, not about the job. It's uh, serving the the public. Uh, as you know, I was uh, I did that for twenty years on council, almost. I've been on a number of boards, including the, the Northumberland Hills Hospital Board, doing the Police Board, Rotary. I, I enjoy serving the public, and um, uh, I I think you only get out of a community what you put into it. So. Um, I like giving it uh, my time, my effort, my experiences, and hopefully I make it a better place. But you don't just sit, sit on the police services board. I mean, you also do committee work uh, related to police services. You've done things at the provincial level, at the uh, police board uh, level. I mean, do you ever get tired of it? I always enjoy it. It's, it's always a, um, a challenge. There's always new things challenging uh, police services, um, whether you're, you know, into the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and even, you know, today there's a lot of challenges. So um, I, I I look forward in, in you know, uh, meeting those challenges head on and uh, hopefully um, uh, making the, the service a better place. What is it that keeps you so interested, so engaged? Well, that's the way I usually do things, Rob. I mean, I've known you for a long time, and um, if I take it on, um, I'm completely engaged uh, in whatever I, I are challenged with. What is the biggest change or changes you have witnessed in all the time that you've served with the police board? Well, it used to be simpler back in the 90s, but now with... Um, uh, so many people with, you know, smartphones and videos and social media and people have a better insight or, or knowledge of really what, what the police are doing and they're able to speak out a little easier in that. So, um, it, it's, it's probably the biggest change I, I've seen. Do you see that as a positive? do um i think it's a positive i i think the community has to um have uh, trust in the police and vice versa um that's why the board is uh taken so long to in its um uh moving forward with the body worn cameras um that's a big issue uh, with us right now and um so, and, and that brings us, you know, pretty well face-to-face -face with, uh, with the day-to-day -day, uh, movement of any police officer. So, and 
you get you have to have public trust, accountability, um, to to operate a police service because the police need the public and the public need the police. So it's it, it's a team effort. I'm glad you raised the body cameras because I, I definitely want to talk to you uh, about that. The approval of the body cameras for frontline Coburg officers seemed to take a long time. The issue was before the police services board multiple times. Uh, a vote to approve was delayed, and then it took a special meeting to give it final approval. Why, Dean, was the process so drawn out? Well, it's a big step in policing. Um, here in, in Canada, it, it's expensive, um, and you really have to have the trust of the community. So we started looking at body-worn cameras actually back in the summer of 2020 with public consultations uh, with the board um, to make decisions to support community safety and excellence in here in Coburg. Um, and we've had an, actually a number of, of surveys regarding body-worn cameras. And through the surveys, we heard the community's insights and perceptions about the beliefs on body-worn cameras and how they could help uh, inform the police's next step. So we did a number of uh, surveys with a uh, very good response, actually, and people were quite in favor of them. Um, we had some issues with people said it, it would... Um, issues with privacy and things like that. So, I mean, when you take on a project of this scope and it has to be right for the community, the board was certainly uh, willing to take the time to make the right decision. You said a number of things that I think are really key, and I'd like to talk a little bit more about them. When you started off with your answer, you said this was a big step. What made it a, such a big step? Can you give us the details of what was going on in the minds of the board members that made it such a big leap forward? Well, first of all, it's the public's perception of body-worn cameras. There's people out there thinking Big Brother's always watching them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, um, and the, the, the privacy of them... Uh, when they're deployed is another issue, and all that will be covered in the, the, the services uh, policies and procedures of the use of body-worn cameras. But um, there's there's people that don't want to be on on video. There's there's you know Big Brother's watching. I don't need any more cameras. There's cameras everywhere you go nowadays, and they just there was a lot of people that didn't want their interaction with with police uh, on video. Um, but they they were the the minority, the majority certainly uh, supported us in the deployment of these body-worn cameras. I know you also did multiple surveys. You mentioned it in your answer as well. Why was it necessary to do the surveys uh, multiple times? Why, why wasn't one just enough? Well, the issue evolved a little bit. Um, in what way? The original, sorry? In what way? Uh, first of all, when we first looked at the body-worn cameras, um, there was just the issue of body-worn cameras, and that was it. The project grew or um, kind of morphed into what we call a officer safety program, where these were um, integrated 
with the new Taser 7s, where if you deployed your firearm or your Taser, these body-worn cameras would start automatically um, in case the officer, you know, had too much adrenaline going and he forgot to turn it on, etc. So the whole project morphed, and so did the costs. So we went out a few times regarding the original and then the, the officer safety program, and then our final uh, survey was the cost. Now, after that survey was done, the board uh, decided that we would relieve the taxpayers of, of any any cost whatsoever to the town or the taxpayers, where the whole amount of the body-worn cameras or the community safety or the officer safety program would be borne by our business services division, where we do the criminal record checks and we make uh, we make revenue at that. And so, luckily for the town of Coburg, we're going to be getting the officer safety program, new tasers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it won't cost the taxpayers one cent. How much does it cost for that kind of sophisticated equipment that you've just described? I mean, the body cameras, the, the guns, and, and, the, and the tasers that all link up like that? Uh, it's approximately about $80,000 a year. Um, and the, the uh, agreement that we have signed is a five-year agreement. And how many, which officers will, is it just the frontline officers? Are special constables involved? Are the auxiliary involved? Uh, at what levels uh, are, will be receiving the, the body-worn cameras? I forget how many cameras on, uh, offhand we're going to purchase, but at least be all the um, frontline officers. And it, it could be the, um, it could be the uh, special constables, but that's kind of an operational type of thing that chiefs will look after that. Now, there's a, a lot of what you do that's highly sensitive, and there are great restrictions on privacy. In your role as board chair, does this ever weigh heavily on you, all the things that you hear and you know about by serving on the board? Uh, not, not really. It's just part of the job. Um, there's certain things the board has to deal with uh, the public would never uh, know, and um, we take an oath of op- or an oath of secrecy when we when we're appointed to the board, and uh, that's that's just the nature of the business. But but don't you ever end up pacing at night, or or you can't sleep, or something just weighs on you heavily, and you just can't talk to anybody about? I mean, you must hear some pretty incredible things at the board level. Uh, well, I mean, we do hear and see things, but um, uh, I guess over the years I've just you know used to it now and um they say it's just just part of the job the town budget was approved last month and the police requested a 2.8 percent increase can you explain where those additional dollars were allotted um the specific dollars um not off the top of my head it's been a you know a few months since we dealt with the the budget um but we tried to keep the budget to a respectable uh 2.8 um uh you know increase over last year which was well within the municipal 
um, forecast that they were they did have. But don't forget, Rob. Out of our budget, um, the this wages and benefits of the police officers and all our employees work out to be ninety six percent of our complete budget. Um, so most of that, 2.8%, was uh, the raise and salary and benefits that they were. We have a, we're working on a four-year collective agreement. This is the second year of it. So I believe they get a 2% increase uh, this, this, this month for this coming year. So we only really have to deal with about 4% of the budget other than... Uh, salaries and benefits. How much money is generated by the background checks? Well, we've had a pretty strong year this year, Rob. Um, it would even have been better if uh, COVID had, didn't have to deal with that. But um, it's, uh, it, it's a good substantial number, and I'd, I'd rather not say. Why, why is that? We, we have other services looking looking at our uh, business services division, and um, it's it's a substantial dollar, um, and we out of that money, uh, we pay for all the capital costs of the corporation, cars and cameras and guns and tasers and all that all that. Um, so it's it's substantial, and and we do. Uh, for the future, we we're building building reserves for a number of different um, issues that we might have to face in the future, uh, like a new police station and things like that. So um, the dollars are substantial, and um, we we're very thankful of, of that business services that that produce that kind of money, and and, and the taxpayers, frankly, should be thankful that um, we do run that operation because it does save them a lot of money over the year. Well, I could hear some people hearing that and saying, but hold on a second, you guys are a, a public body, the police force is a public service, and there should be transparency. How would you respond to those people by not releasing these figures and, and giving us the exact amount so that if we're to be grateful, we'd at least know we're grateful to what amount? Well, I, I would say we probably, I'd give you a rough figure, we probably net around a couple couple million dollars after, because the, the operation pays completely for itself. There's no taxpayers' dollars going into business services, so it funds the whole operation, and, um, you know, probably it nets out about two and a half million dollars. I noticed in the budget you have a number of special projects. There's the Police Ambassador Program, there's the Domestic Violence Enhancement, Respectful Workplace Project, and I grant you all those projects seem very worthwhile, yet the board spends $100,000 on the Police Accelerator Program, which is a joint venture with Venture 13, where entrepreneurs come up with innovations in technology that can be used by police. Now, while there's no doubt this is a great project and it brings innovation to police, Thing, but it is also a, a lot of money. It's enough, in fact, for the, a salary for a, a person. Um, so why aren't you using this money to hire a full-time officer or maybe a mental health worker or expand the mental health emergency M-Heart program? 
Well, we do operate a, a, an MHART program now that that as a mental health nurse along with a constable, and, and that's run uh, through our normal day-to-day operations. So that, that that's a very important uh, piece of the operation, and, and that's up and running now. The Police Tech Accelerator, um, we're, we're highly innovative and uh, technology-based kind of mind at the board and at the service. So these monies that we spend on innovation and uh, just let you know that that innovation fund is also funded by our our business services so the taxpayers don't don't um see any of that either but it's a very important it's one of it, it's a first of its kind uh, police tech accelerator in canada and um it, it it certainly bears fruit um it was uh very big in the uh CCC, CCTV camera um, grant that we got from the but from the federal government or provincial government, I, I should say. And there's there's other things that have gone on within that police tech accelerator that the service has gained um, a lot of innovation and technology uh, through. So it, it, it's it's a very important part if you want to be innovative. Um, I mean, we could just sit back and do the normal stuff, but it, it's important to be innovative in, in any business or any service you provide. And um, that Police Tech Accelerator is a very important part to the police service. You mentioned the CCTV uh, grant that you received. Have any of the cameras been installed yet? Um, there are a small number of cameras have just been uh, operationalized as a as a kind of a, a task, yes. But they haven't been inst- installed permanently, because the last time I talked uh, to the yeah, chief, he said they hadn't been where installed. They are now they're going to stay, I would imagine. Okay, because yeah. the last but time I talked to the chief, still, the project is still um, still gaining speed, I guess you could say, and um, there there are some some other issues that were. Uh, uh, involved in with that project so um that's still ongoing and um it'll probably be in the, the summer by the time they're all up and running and where we want them to be in august of last year there was a press conference held on john street to assure coburg residents that the streets were safe what came of that initiative and can you give us an update because that was back in august well th- that uh, press conference was to show the actual neighbors and community that um, every part of the municipality services were involved and working together to um, reduce crime in that particular particular area. Um, we had got a lot of complaints, received a lot of complaints regarding that area and the amount of, of issues there. And uh, I think it was important that uh, the municipality as a whole shows that they're not going to tolerate that that kind of behavior. And so, pretty well, all municipal governments that would actually, or all municipal departments that would actually deal with that kind, those kinds of issues, were there on the same day, standing together, saying, "We're going to, you know, pull out all the stops and try to fix this." 
Can you show demonstrably that the streets are safer in that neighborhood has improved since then? Um, I, I think it has. Sometimes you fix one problem in one place and it moves to another. Um, we see that sometimes. So um, I, I think the area is, is safer. Do you, do you have any uh, instances or anecdotes or some stats that you could provide that would demonstrably show that that's the case now? No, I, we, I'd have to get the service to pull our calls for service um, for that, but I, I don't have those at my fingertips. But your sense of it is, is that it's safer now? Yes, and some of the issues have moved. So it's... What, what does that mean it's, when you say something is moved, uh, just so the listeners can understand what that means? Well, when we try to fix, uh, you know, certain things in one area, sometimes they can move to another area of the town. Uh, but, you know, the, the service is, is knowledgeable of that and um, dealing with those issues now. The use of opioids in the community is at a crisis level. What are the board's plans for 2022 to address this growing problem? Well, that's, that is a, certainly a big issue um, going forward. And when we did our, our um, survey for the, um, the STRAT plan that's being put together at this point in time, it, it came back as one of the communities, one of their biggest issues uh, was drugs prevention, support and enforcement. So um, we're going to deal with that in our strategic plan uh, to try to, I, 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 you know, it's a fight you can't win by yourself, and it's a fight that I don't know if you'll ever win, but we can certainly put a damper on it here in Coburg, and we do that through our uh, criminal investigation branch um, with some of the um, search warrants that you've seen in the press over the last little while. There was a press conference held uh, just last month to address vehicle thefts. Can you bring us up to date on the results of the increased efforts by officers? Uh, has that now been changed or is it continuing? It wasn't only vehicle thefts, it was um, material or or things that were inside the vehicles being being stolen. So um, that was part of our lock it or lose it campaign where that was run by the special constables, I believe, and went around and uh, uh, just showed you how many people, you know, leave their cars open. They don't lock them, and some of them leave their keys in it. So um, that campaign was, uh, was successful. And hopefully the community's uh, sense of uh, lock it or leave it, um, that message was brought home. You mentioned earlier about collaboration and its importance. How is the county's community safety well-being plan going to impact the Coburg Police Force over the upcoming year? That particular uh, plan was uh, mandated to the municipality. We were just part of it. Um, the municipality uploaded the plan to the county and the county has rolled out um, you know the version of the of the plan. So I mean we certainly took part in it. Um, I think it needs some honing going forward 
and uh, hopefully, um, you know, the the town will be um, better off by some of the things that might come out of it. It's it's a big collaboration of a lot of people that offer services to the residents of Coburg and surrounding area. Dean, what is on the horizon for the Coburg Police Force in 2022? Um, well, there's there's a number of things that um, we just put into place late last year that uh, we hope are going to benefit the service and the, and the town. Um, we've put in place a uh, chief financial officer, and we've hired a new deputy chief. So we're just getting them worked into the... Uh, the system of, uh, of the COVID police service. But, but looking forward, um, we have a strategic plan that's going to be uh, going to be rolled out uh, uh, to the board, I think it's in February, and to the public in, uh, in March. Um, we have some uh, new ideas for the Police Tech Accelerator. Um, we are also... Uh, have a community safety innovation fund that we talked about to council at our budget presentations. Um, you'll hear more about that community safety innovation fund coming up shortly. Um, something interesting you might want to know is um, our police vehicles. Um, we purchased uh, some new vehicles at the end of last year. They were fully uh, uh, you know, gasoline-driven. Um, and this year we're going to purchase a hybrid and uh, we'll be doing a comparison, a pilot project, uh, comparing, comparing the two, two different types of vehicles and see if we can uh, garner some savings and maintenance and fuel and that type of thing. If you were to give one thing you personally took away from the past year, what would it be? Um, I think what we have found out over the past year um, is the, the municipality and the police service working together uh, in, in different issues that, that face all of us. Um, the Chief uh, Paul Vandergraaf sits on the EOC committee uh, of the municipality and when COVID hit. Um, the service and the municipality worked well together. Um, there was some interactions with the building and fire departments throughout the last year. And I, I, I think it's important that we see the benefits of uh, working as one rather than silos. Dean Pepper, thank you so much for talking to me today. Anytime, Rob. It's a pleasure. That was Coburg Police Board Chairperson Dean Pepper. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. 
Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.